know, a number of, you know, central Indiana reporters sort of saw the same result happening, um, even after talking with voters. But um, Indiana, at the end, end of the day, has a really strong brand as a Republican state. The Republican Party has done a much better job than the Democratic Party here, um, connecting with voters and, and helping them solve what they perceive to be their everyday problems. Stay tuned. That's just part of what's ahead in our bonus content following this week's edition of In Focus. Good morning. It's been a roller coaster ride in the race for president with the process playing out over these last few days, turning election night into election week. And with a lot still to be determined, perhaps in the way of recounts and legal battles, we do have a projected winner. Former Vice President Joe Biden flipped a number of states Democrats lost in 2016 in a race that turned out much closer than pollsters had expected. The people of this nation have spoken. They've delivered us a clear victory, a convincing victory. There's been a lot of shenanigans, and we can't uh, stand for that in our country. All right, we'll have much more later this morning on Fox News Sunday and Face the Nation. But today we're also taking a closer look at the election results here in Indiana, starting with the race for governor. And it was a big night for Governor Eric Holcomb, winning re-election over Democratic candidate Woody Myers and Libertarian Donald Rainwater, who did earn about 11 percent in that race. Governor Holcomb says he'll keep his focus on the economy and fighting the ongoing pandemic. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's Get busy building one Indiana for all. Governor Holcomb speaking on election night moments after Woody Myers conceded. I just spoke with uh, Governor Eric Holcomb and congratulated him on his victory. I ran because I knew we could be better and that we could do more, more for those who have so little and more for those who need so much. All right, let's also look at the race for attorney general. Former Republican Congressman Todd Rokita defeating Democrat Jonathan Weinzapfel. Rokita watched the election results from home after testing positive for the coronavirus. His campaign says he's doing well. He'll replace current attorney general Curtis Hill next year. One of the hottest races in Indiana this year, the state's fifth congressional district, State Senator Victoria Sparts, now Congresswoman-elect Sparts. She ended up less than 20,000 votes ahead of Democratic candidate Christina Hale in that race. And Sparks says she's honored to earn the trust of her constituents. She says she'll use her state-level experience to get to work in Congress. I work on policy and try to reach out to some legislator on the other side and see if we can agree on them. And, you know, we maybe disagree on the broader issues, but we can go and agree on some narrow issues. And I think if we can get something done and move the needle and move our country forward, that will be great. So we just have to get to know people. Sparts will replace current Representative Susan Brooks, who's retiring at the end of the year. As for Hale, she said, quote, this was a historically close race and our message clearly resonated with voters. I'm grateful to have had the opportunity to talk about issues that matter most to our community and lift the voices of so many people in our district. We spoke about the race with Importantville's Adam Wren. If you look at her win, it really seems to come down to uh, Republican uh, performance on the economy. A lot of voters I've talked with who voted for her said, you know, they were more concerned at the end of the day about the economy than the pandemic. Um, you know, one of the key differences, I think, too, is she spent much more time on the ground going door to door in the district than Christina Hale did. Indiana, at the end, end of the day, has a really strong brand as a Republican state. The Republican Party has done a much better job 
than the Democratic Party here um, connecting with voters. This is a deeply red state, and it will be years before Democrats are able to gain any sort of a foothold here. All right. We're also going to be talking here with Dr. Laura Wilson. There's more with Adam on our podcast where we talk more about the map county by county here. Let's look at this in Hamilton County. Donald Trump, the winner, he edged out Joe Biden 52-45 in Hamilton County. Sparts actually outpacing him there in Hamilton County. She beat Hale there 55-41. So let's talk with Dr. Laura Wilson. Laura, this election uh, may have been a repudiation of the president in some places of the country, but certainly not everywhere. Republicans picking up House seats. And this is one of those districts here where Democrats just fell short. It did. And as Adam had said, 4% is a really strong turnout. It's as much of a victory as a loss could probably be. And Hale was a very strong candidate. But I think in this case, you look at this district, you had two ticket, uh, two ticket leaders, if you will, for the Republican Party. And with Eric Holcomb and with Donald Trump, uh, very different Republicans for a lot of different ways, but voters certainly come out for them. And if you liked one, you may not like the other, but that that could influence your um, straight ticket voting. And I think that's partly what you saw here in the fifth. Still fairly close, um, but nonetheless, Sparks uh, took away with that win. And, and Laura, nationally, obviously a lot has been made about the integrity of the election, the president's comments uh, alleging fraud, basically with no real evidence suggesting that's the case. What impact does this have on the democratic process? Well, people should always question and challenge. I think that's a little bit different than creating fear, however. Uh, All the states have a lot of uh, jurisdiction in terms of the procedures and process. And so I hope what this does is get people questioning why their state does it the way they do, why they have polling open hours at certain times, um, when they count ballots, whether or not they have mail-in ballots. And they, they question the process itself, but at the end of the day, those are the rules and the procedures we set forth at the beginning, right? We, We can't challenge the outcome that comes from them, at least in this cycle, we could look at changing those in the future. I, I think it's important for people to have confidence in the system and the process, even if they don't like the outcome, because that is what led us to that point. And systems and institutions last before and after any administration, candidate, policy, or party. We'll see what happens on that front. Laura, thanks so much. More with Laura in just a minute. Meantime, on that same topic, Senator Mike Braun this week said, quote, President Trump is right to hold states and local officials accountable to their own laws and make sure all legal ballots are counted. Fraudulent votes disenfranchise legal voters. We should all want a result that's fair and can be trusted by the American people. We also heard this week from Senator Todd Young, who spoke with our Kayla Sullivan. The president has been um, making some calls uh, via social media, you know, to to stop vote count, um, maybe possibly disputing any results of this election. What are your thoughts on some of those comments? Every eligible voter who casts uh, a legal vote and and there are no anomalies on the ballot, needs to make sure their vote is counted. I mean, I I can't say that enough, enough different ways. Uh, So uh, I will continue to uh, say that from the rooftops and all of my colleagues are saying the same things. So um, this is the essence uh, of our democracy. Now, with that said, the Republican National Committee has deployed uh, a team full of attorneys into Michigan because they did see some anomalies that needed to be uh, checked into. And then Democrats have their own attorneys on the ground in these different states. All right. Now, Thursday, after the president's remarks from the White House, Young said, quote, I trust in the process. I urge patience as all legally cast votes are tallied. Every legally cast vote will be counted. The rule of law upheld and we will accept the final result.
This week we also spoke with Congressman Greg Pence and Andre Carson. Now he wants to, to insult the voters and their intelligence. So he's just being inconsistent and theatrical. And um, I think it's unfortunate and a testament as to why he has lost because the American people are sick of the gaslighting. They're sick of the pageantry, Republicans and Democrats, and we want to move our country forward. Are you surprised the race was this close? You lost some seats in Congress. But what does it say for Democrats that there was no real blue wave in the end? I think it says that a lot of work has to be done to talk to voters, to speak to voters, to speak to nuance. Uh, while some are in agreement with certain proposals presented by Trump, particularly his tax plan, others are critical of his social message. And so Democrats, I think, have to uh, dig more deeper into the spectrum that exists in our caucus from the far left to those who are moderate and do it in a way that doesn't disrupt our unity. I think that there's something to be said about having healthy disagreements occasionally. Uh, but I think going forward, we have to really maximize our leverage and speak to those issues that voters are concerned about. There's a presidential election right now that's very close. How are you feeling about this? And have you talked to your brother, the vice president? I did. Uh, Michael called me and congratulated me last night, which was very kind. He's upbeat. <clears throat> He's positive. Uh, and we'll see. I think, unfortunately, I think we're going to have to wait uh, days, uh, maybe weeks, and I hope not months. Uh, you know, in Indiana, we do the right thing. Somebody told us we were having a presidential election. We prepared for it. Uh, and we got it done last night. All right, Pence and Carson both reelected to Congress Tuesday as Indiana's congressional split stays where it was. Seven Republicans, two Democrats. Here's a look at more of those results as we go to break. We'll talk with our panel right after this. All right, let's bring in our panel right now. We heard from Laura a moment ago. She's back along with former Democratic Party Chair Robin Winston, former state lawmaker Mike Murphy, and Tony Samuel, the 2016 vice chair for the Indiana Trump campaign. Tony, setting aside the presidential race and to some extent in the presidential race, Democrats uh, kind of fell short of expectations uh, to some degree. What, what impact did that have here in Indiana and especially in that 5th District race? Sure. Well, they fell short across the country in the U.S. House and uh, failed to take the Senate uh, and, and as well here in Indiana. In Indiana, in the Indiana uh, House, Republicans gained five seats, lost one for a net gain of four, uh, did lose a Senate seat, it looks like. Um, but uh, across the board, um, big, big wins in Indiana for Republicans. Donald Trump winning by 17 or 18 points, and that uh, helped uh, down-ticket uh, candidates like uh, Victoria Sparks win the 5th District congressional race and those state house races, like I mentioned. Well, and you said he might win uh, here in Indiana by 20 points or so. He came close to that margin, just a couple points shy of what he did in 2016. Robin, uh, your thoughts on everything? A lot has changed since we spoke to all of you on Tuesday night, this roller coaster ride in the presidential campaign, but also on this question for, for Democrats. What went wrong for Indiana Democrats, and, and how does the party respond here moving forward now next year with a new party chair? Well, I was fortunate to be the party chair when Frank O'Bannon was governor. And I think you have to replicate what we did. You get out and train, you recruit, and you make yourself available to talk about kitchen table issues. Joe Biden getting 45% of the vote in Hamilton County demonstrates that we do have an appeal to suburban voters 
in and around Marion County. We need to make sure that we maximize that in the future. But more importantly, we have to make sure that we get out across the state and have some listening sessions and hear what people have to say and get out and help get our message about kitchen table issues, job and employment issues out on the front for everybody in the state, not just here in central Indiana. Mike, Senator Todd Young had a, a big election cycle. Obviously, he raised a lot of money as the NRSC chair, might have held on to the Senate majority. We'll see, depending on those uh, runoffs, perhaps, in, in Georgia. But talk a little bit about Senator Young and, and where Republicans are at this moment in history with everything around this election, uh, some of the things the president has said this week. Uh, where do you want to see your party head from here? Well, first of all, I think Todd Young's future is as big as he wants it to be. I mean, he could come back and run for governor. He can continue to move up in the U.S. Senate, which he has a great future there. It really is just determined by the environment in which he feels more, most comfortable affecting public policy. He's, he is just a, a real jewel for the people of Indiana, both Republicans and Democrats. I think everybody respects him. Two entities, I think, that need uh, to receive a lot of credit here after the election are Kyle Hupfer and the State Republican Central Committee and the House Republican Cam Campaign Committee. Um, if you look at the state, the Republicans took seats in South Bend, the Democratic stronghold, Lake County, I mean, all over the state. The only place the Republican Party had trouble was right in Marion County. They lost uh, two of our star legislators, uh, Cindy Kirkhoffer and of course, Senator John Ruckelshaus. But other than a couple of losses, uh, you couldn't have asked for a better year for the Republicans in Indiana. So, Laura, let's talk about the, the pollsters, right? They, uh, they certainly missed the mark here by several points in, in some states. What, what are the lessons here in 2020? Yeah, they did. And they missed the mark in 2016, too. I begin to think there's a lot of people out of a job, but I, I think we can learn in terms of the demographic groups. And that's one thing that pollsters have certainly done is trying to make sure that the sampling is accurate towards the population. They learned from 2016, they were oversampling college educated people, which isn't true in terms of population of, of, of the voters, the electorate, right? They needed to have more voters who hadn't gone to college and to make their sample as representative as possible. I think there's always going to be tweaking in in that regard. And it's always helpful for us to remember that polls are a snapshot. They're a temperature taken in a moment in time. They're not the end all be all. I think it's helpful for voters to keep that in mind. So you don't feel like, gosh, your candidate's going to win. Why bother showing up to the polls? You've got it in the bag. Or to be concerned and like, oh, we're just going to lose. Why waste our time? Why bother showing up? Regardless, don't always just use those as the reason you, you do or you don't do something, you should be voting regardless of those. I'd like to think we talked about polls a little less often on the program this year than four years ago, maybe, but maybe we shouldn't be talking about them at all in the future. I don't know. Um, Robin, what, what else stood out to you here in Indiana? You had the governor's race and, of course, uh, the governor right back to work uh, this week dealing with these with these surging COVID numbers. You also had a lot of interesting statehouse races with with Republicans holding on to that to that supermajority in the House and Senate. Well, what I was pleased with is Mitch Gore down on the south side of Indianapolis, including the Beach Grove area, was able to pull off a victory against not only an incumbent, but the Marion County Republican chair. John Ruffles House went down a defeat to our first Muslim member of the Indiana General Assembly. So we have a young law enforcement officer in Mitch Gore, deputy sheriff in the county, and we have uh, a new member of our General Assembly will be the first Muslim ever elected to the General Assembly. Yeah. Those are great trends for our diversity in the future. Well, we're we're going to have an interview with him uh, coming up here in just a moment. Tony, what else uh, stood out to you? 
Well, I think Mike uh, had had good points. Kyle Huffer in the Republican State Party and and the uh, House Republicans led by uh, Mike Gentry and Marin Patterson, uh, their campaign folks did an excellent job. But I'll I'll go back also to Donald Trump, who uh, increased his vote uh, vote numbers across the country by about eight million, and here in Indiana by about two hundred and twenty-five thousand, including about fourteen thousand in Hamilton County. So when you get more folks coming out because of the president, it lifts all boats, and that's. That's, uh, that made a big impact on those down-ballot races. Tony, real quick, uh, if the president uh, lost this election indeed, when it all shakes out, you think he runs again in 2024? Oh, I don't know. I think already. people want him to. Uh, he'll definitely have an impact. Um, uh, this thing's not over yet. I know uh, that the numbers are treading Joe Biden's way, but there's a lot of irregularities all across, you know, people in Nevada that that voted that weren't uh, supposed to have voted. And, and then throughout, you know, the, the a big uh, part of the those irregularities, you're seeing a difference in the presidential numbers and the Senate numbers in uh, places like Arizona and Michigan. That's something to well, watch and, out and for. And that'll happen sometimes in, in elections. Uh, people may be crossing over. Mike, um, your thoughts on 2024. We're always looking ahead. I suppose that's another well, fault of well, ours. First, what what first, would that do to Mike Pence, for instance? A lot, you know. He's well, certainly been mentioned yeah, as a possible candidate. I can say one thing that that is applicable to both 2020 and 2024, and that is the voters are never wrong. You can disagree with them, you know, vehemently, but they are never wrong. And when it comes to 2024, I fully expect Mike Pence to take a serious look at it. There's several things he can be doing in the, in the meantime. Well, I him to write a book, not about the past, but about the future. Um, you have the presidency of Liberty University open. You have uh, Rush Limbaugh's uh, looks like a, a, a terminal illness here. Um, he'd be great in either one of those positions. Um, he's going to have a lot of lot of opportunities, and uh, I don't, you will. Uh, I haven't, you haven't heard the last. Let's put it that way from Mike Pence. Okay, Mike, Robin, Laura, Tony, thank you all so much. Thank you for being here on election night with us and throughout the week. We appreciate it. We'll see you in just a couple minutes for this week's winners and losers. Coming up next, though, as lawmakers prepare for the year ahead, we'll hear from one of the few Indiana Democrats to pick up a seat at the State House, and from Republican Party Chair Kyle Hupfer. Stick around. We'll be right back. All right, today we're also looking at the balance of power at the State House with Indiana Republicans adding to their supermajority. We spoke with GOP Chair Kyle Hupfer and with one of the Democratic candidates who did break through on election night. Here's Kayla Sullivan. Kayla? Lawmakers are going to have a lot on their plate come January. It's a budget year and redistricting, plus we're in the middle of a pandemic. Though Republicans have a supermajority, both parties are going to need to work together to find solutions. In a year where we already started with supermajorities and net four House seats and, and go down one Senate seat, I mean, that's just a resounding victory for the Indiana Republican Party. Despite the celebration from Indiana Republican Party Chair Kyle Hupfer, the party did lose two seats. Democrats won District 89 and District 30, seats held by Marion County Republican Party Chairwoman Cindy Kirkhofer and State Senator John Ruckelshaus, respectively. They are both two tough people uh, for us to lose in those respective caucuses. Democratic Party Chair John Zodi sent a statement saying Fatty Kadura and Mitch Gore's wins are proof positive that when we invest in building the bench, we win. Hoosier Democrats' path forward is through the suburbs. Hupfer says the GOP knew Marion County would be tough battleground. 
That was a seat that was razor thin before. Kadura says many people told him winning District 30 was a long shot because of his heritage. However, he wouldn't let that stop him. In Indiana, it is possible that if you feel for a while that you did not belong, if you felt at any point in time that you were not loved or respected or welcomed or embraced, I wanted to send a message that's not who we are. Hupfer says despite the supermajority, most bills in Indiana have the support of both parties. They're voted on by 90 plus percent of the collective of the legislature. So um, I think Republicans have consistently done a good job of taking input and including uh, Democrats in the legislative process. I think that'll continue and you'll still see the vast majority of bills be bipartisan. Unless COVID-19 changes anything, lawmakers are expected to be back at the State House for Organization Day later this month. Reporting from the Indiana State House, I'm Kayla Sullivan. All right, Kayla, thanks. Back to wrap things up right after this. Time for this week's winners and losers. Laura, you're up first. Okay, I only have winners this week because roughly half the people on the ballot lost earlier, and I think that's just really tough. But but my winner is voter turnout, American democracy, an engaged and hopefully informed electorate. The Washington Post is projecting around 66%, which would be incredible for our country in terms of national voter turnout. I hope it's something that's not a 2020 anomaly, but something we can keep up for the future. Tony. Just losers for me today because we've talked a lot about the winners. So uh, state Democrat leadership uh, and the state Democrat party, big losses for them. And also on the national level, Nancy Pelosi, a uh, lot of losses there. House Republicans there pick up 10 or 12 seats. Robin. Joseph Biden, president of the United States, very soon. And African-Americans, the most reliable constituency of the Democratic Party. Mike. The winner has to be uh, the people, the voters of the United States and the state of Indiana. You have to remember many of them, thousands of them stood out in the rain all day long in cold temperatures uh, to exercise their right to vote. My hope is for the unity of the nation. If yep. if the nation could get along as well as we all get along here right. on In Focus, there would be no divisions. <laughs> well, thank you all. We'll see you next week. Much more on our podcast. We'll see you next Sunday in Focus. Okay, I'm here now with Importantville's Adam Wren. He's a contributing editor at Politico and Indianapolis Monthly. Adam, this has been quite a week, no doubt, in terms of everything we've seen in this election, but it was also a very big week for Indiana Republicans here at the local level. That's right. Uh, you know, Indiana Republicans are really at their apex of power. Uh, they beat back uh, efforts by Democrats to make inroads into their supermajorities in the, in the legislature, particularly in the House. Uh, we saw, uh, you know, Senator Todd Young on, on a national level defend essentially the Senate majority, although it looks like we won't know about Georgia's results until January at this point. Uh, you know, Governor Holcomb receiving more vo votes than any other gubernatorial candidate uh, in the history of Indiana. Uh, a huge week for re Republicans. Uh, President Trump appearing to rewind the state by 17 points. Um, this is a deeply red state, and it will be years before Democrats are able to gain any sort of a foothold here in Indiana. What about that fifth district race? Democrats had really been targeting that race at, at a national level, and it speaks broadly to Democrats and the underperformance they experienced at the congressional level here on this 2020 election. Yeah, Victoria Sparks, you know, running actually ahead 
of President Donald Trump, at least in Hamilton County, uh, a pretty remarkable feat. Um, her campaign, you know, went through a number of different campaign managers, uh, but she was able to really uh, pull out an impressive win. Um, if you look at her win, it really seems to come down to uh, Republican uh, performance on the economy. A lot of voters I've talked with who voted for her said, you know, they were more concerned at the end of the day about the economy than the pandemic. Um, you know, one of the key differences, I think, too, is she spent much more time on the ground going door to door in the district than Christina Hale did. Uh, Democrats kind of, uh, you know, kept her in a room dialing for dollars to raise money and she, you know, raised a lot of a grassroots support, but at the end of the day, she couldn't connect with voters uh, on an interpersonal level. And I think that hurt. What about this, uh, this talk here this week about the integrity of the election? We've seen Senator Todd Young um, give some remarks that are kind of in line perhaps with, with Majority Leader McConnell's remarks. It's certainly not what Senator Toomey is saying on one hand, certainly not what Senator Cruz is saying on the other hand. Uh, but what are you hearing from uh, Indiana Republicans about the way this has all happened here over the last few days and uh, concerns about how the president may or may not handle the, the process here of conceding if that is in fact where the election's headed? Sure. Well, to be certain um, and to be fair, uh, both Senator Todd Young and Senator Mike Braun and uh, Vice President Mike Pence are not going as far as President Trump has in assailing the, the credibility of the elections. Uh, They're saying that every legal vote needs to be counted. Um, but when you step back, you know, they sort of have a unique power, particularly Senator Young as a member of the Senate leadership, uh, to enforce and back the integrity of, of the elections. And so you've got to wonder at some point if they're going to have to kind of send a message uh, that is contradictory to what the president is saying. Um, you know, I think it's interesting, uh, third district uh, Congressman Jim Banks, who is running unopposed to, to, to lead the, the Republican Study Committee, um, will be kind of a national voice going forward for the party. Uh, you know, he was actually censored and then later uncensored by Twitter for sort of uh, alleging a three-state conspiracy about ballot counting. Um, and so, you know, the next few days here uh, before uh, inauguration are going to be ver a very delicate time in the American story, in the American project. Um, and it's really important that regardless of party, um, you know, for, for, for the seamless transition of power to continue, uh, that we have leaders on both sides of the aisle who are willing to sort of speak up for the credibility of the electoral process. Speaking of credibility, uh, pollsters, their credibility perhaps just about shot with most people in the world of politics. Um, are, are you surprised at, 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 how, at how far some of the polls were off? Yeah, absolutely. If you looked in the fifth, for example, at a number of Democratic internal polls, um, you would have a hard time believing how the election result happened uh, in the fifth as it did on Tuesday. Um, you know, a number of national race rating organizations, the National Journal, CNN, ranked this seat as the fifth most likely nationwide to flip. Um, reporters like me uh, prognosticated that things were looking good for Hale, and we were all wrong. Um, we ended up uh, with, with egg on our faces. I think, you know, a number of, you know, central Indiana reporters sort of s saw the same result happening, um, even after talking with voters. But um, Indiana, at the end, end, end of the day, has a really strong brand as a Republican state. The Republican Party has done a much better job than the Democratic Party here um, connecting with voters 
and, and helping them solve what they perceive to be their everyday problems, whether it's um, economic growth, getting more money in their paycheck due to tax cuts. Um, and the Democratic Party, I think, has years before it will gain parity uh, with Democrats here. Their chairman, John Zodi, held a, a briefing Friday morning. Uh, what were your big takeaways from what, what he had to say? And, and uh, what is the future for the, for the Indiana Democratic Party now? Well, the chairman essentially kicked off the new race uh, to replace him. He said that uh, if people were interested in throwing their hat in the ring, they should. His term up is, uh, is up on March 20th. Um, he didn't seem to have any new ideas about which direction to take the party. Um, largely attributed losses here to national trends. Um, and so, you know, my big takeaway is that he is content kind of stepping away um, after his term is up. And so, you know, really, as far as what we're looking for, what, what, what Democrats are looking for uh, to replace him uh, is essentially, you know, a, a, someone who has the ability to fundraise, someone who has kind of national recognition and cachet, um, and then someone to really do the blocking and tackling of candidate recruitment um, across the state and, and, and rural places uh, and, and other places uh, throughout the, the state. All right, Adam Wren joining us after this election to talk about everything that's happened. Thanks so much. We appreciate it. Good to be with you. See you next week.